0: Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare.
1: Hello, Medicus listeners. It's Katie and Brittany, and we are back for the second episode in our three-part series on medical student experiences during COVID-19. In this episode, we sat down with Gideon Levinson, a current M3 at Stritch who has managed to navigate preclinicals, STEP, and his first clinical rotations during the pandemic. As an added bonus, you are going to hear what it's like to live in Chicago because our mics were picking up on literally everything. So grab a coffee, close your eyes, and just imagine that you're actually sitting with Gideon on his patio. And with that, we'll just dive right in. Okay. Gideon, would you mind introducing yourself, what year you're in, where you're from, and your favorite quarantine pastime or hobby?
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. Hi, my name is Gideon Levinson. Again, third-year med student. I'm originally from suburbs of Detroit in Huntington Woods, Michigan, now living in Chicago. Quarantine hobbies. I wish I, I had made more time for an explicit <laughs> hobby throughout the whole time, but I've, I've definitely been cooking more, which has been great.
2: Well, if you have any recipe recommendations, I'm also trying to expand in the kitchen a little bit. All right. So we're going to kind of rewind to March, but can you take us through a typical day in med school for you right now? So maybe that could be like one typical day when you're in person doing rotations or maybe one day virtually.
0: Yeah, there actually really isn't a typical day anymore. I guess in general, third year, you're on different rotations. So each rotation has its sort of quote typical day. But then even within that, now with this virtual time, in-person time, there's subsets of typical days. So it really just turns into um, every day is a little bit different. Right now, I'm on my pediatric rotations. Last semester, I did surgery, then medicine, then research elective month, and then neurology. Now I'm doing pediatrics, OB, family med, and psych. And the way it is this semester is we have a month virtual. So I'm doing two weeks of virtual pediatric studying right now, and then I'll do two weeks of virtual OB studying, and then a month in person of peds, a month in person of OB. Versus last semester, we have two weeks virtual, six weeks in person. So I'm not used to like having all this time right now, which is interesting and new and hard to stay focused. But yes, today I had I had Zoom lectures and a quiz that's kind of what my life for the next month is gonna be pretty similar, I imagine, to what first years are doing right now, just zoom lectures and studying. And then I'll have weeks of rotations working in the hospital.
2: I was wondering the virtual didactics that you're doing now, was that a new addition since COVID has started?
0: Yeah. What they did was I think previously you'd have rotations and then you know, randomly and after certain afternoons you'd have lectures, you'd have sort of concurrent learning throughout your in-person rotations. What they did was they sort of just took all those and they smushed them at the beginning of our rotation. And so then when we're, you know, right now our lectures and they're planned lectures and they're given by faculty who've given them in years previously. But when we're in the hospital, it's full in the hospital. There's no lectures. There's no, no Zoom. Sorry, I lied. Excuse me. You have Zooms for, you know, virtual grand rounds and virtual lectures during the day, but no like additional med student Zooms of that
1: nature. And if we could ask you to take yourself back to March, what was it like for you to be having your M2 schedule? You th- you think you have this plan because it's never been different and adjust to being remote. Especially because you have the unique situation if you were studying for STEP. I don't know if it was during yeah, your dedicated or... It was
0: smack in the middle of dedicated. Oh my um, God. Oh no. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, everyone has their own incredible, unique experience with this. But so it was spring break. I was planning on going home for a couple days, driving to Michigan. I think that Saturday or Sunday is when we were basically told we were going to be virtual. Don't come back. And then I... Quarantined at home with my family and boyfriend for four months. <laughs> I did all of dedicated studying in the same bedroom that I studied not only for the MCAT but also <laughs> high school AP Bio, like the exact same desk. Not a single aspect of my plan really, uh, really stayed. <laughs> it feels like a blur. I think looking back, I feel like this whole year has been like a hundred years. You know, we finished up MT year virtually which is basically like dedicated you know we kind of just started dedicated there and so it kind of felt like a four-month dedicated period and then i think it was may when the cancellation started happening and so i wasn't canceled first round and then i ended up getting canceled and then i was canceled the second time i actually ended up driving uh, an hour in the morning of my exam i drove to toledo to take my board exam because there were no spots open in Michigan. And so it was just like a very, very hectic time and not anything that I could have imagined. But also everyone was kind of going through it and everyone had their own. There was one time where I was uh, FaceTiming with one of my friends in my class because the website to reschedule his step exam was closed. So he had to send me his information so I'm rescheduling him so I could reschedule his. It just felt like very this very chaotic energy on top of the chaotic world that was unfolding before us those months I was the most into my studies as anyone really is you kind of just shut off the world wasn't the easiest to shut off this world and to focus but somehow you do it yeah
1: (sighs) From our perspective, we weren't even at Rich or in the medical world yet. We were For just sure. like, sitting on Twitter being like, oh my God, people have to take this test that kind of determines a lot of things and they're having to cross state lines. They're having to switch when mm-hmm. the days and just imagining myself in those shoes. I'm pretty impressed that it somehow worked out.
0: <laughs> it's very much this legendary test. I feel like that there's so much more to it than just actual tests. There's truly these legends of it how intense it is the studying the lifestyle and it's it's awful it really is awful but you get through it and everyone who got through it before you somehow managed i know lots of people who have on dedicated a family member passed away or someone got into a really bad car accident or a flood in their house or you know things like that can still happen regardless of virus in the air remembering that at least was kind of helpful to get through it early March so hard. I don't know. I felt like the week or two when it all started, that was probably when I had the least motivation I think I've ever had in med school before. No one knew it was happening. We didn't know it, when we were going to be in school. We didn't know how they were going to do tests. We didn't know, not COVID tests, exams. I'm talking like, you know, <laughs> you know I wish I could step out of my box at that time, but you're so ingrained and, you know, day in and day out, you're studying and studying. It's so it's so easy to forget what's really going on outside.
2: Absolutely. This is related to mm-hmm. COVID and quarantine, but a slightly different dimension. Is there anything that you've gotten to do in the last you know, nine, 10 months that you maybe wouldn't have gotten to do if COVID hadn't been happening this year, COVID hadn't caused all these changes to our lives?
0: Yeah, I never thought that I would have months living with my family again. I have a niece and nephew. She's almost seven, he's two. I got to see them a lot and I'm baby crazy constantly. So that was a really special gift that I got. I mean, I basically moved in with my boyfriend in March, which we hadn't been planning on doing. And now we actually moved into an actual apartment. Another question we have for you more swinging back to school is
1: how do you think COVID has changed the way that you approach learning or in general, how medical schools approach the curriculum because it is leaning so much more on the recorded lectures, virtual Mm -hmm. learning, that kind of stuff.
0: I definitely struggle with the virtual learning before the in-person learning, just feel like there's only so much I can can learn from just reading. And at some point you kind of got to learn by doing. Mm -hmm. And I definitely learn much better by doing it. that's just third year in general, but then you have got COVID on top of it, which changes everything in a really unique way. For example, on on our pediatric rotation, we have these aquifer online cases that we're doing. And when you first log in, there's a little alert that comes up and it says, please note, we've not updated COVID-19 to differentials. Know that it's on the differential. Moments like that where you're like, oh, it really is changing all aspects of medicine. It's past the uh, just in practice and we're teaching about it in the moment. One of the experiences that I've really found that's fulfilled me, I think, is there aren't really visitors in the hospital at all, except for like really, really rare cases. As the medical student, I think in the past, you didn't really feel as much, not ownership, but you didn't really feel as connected to your patient, I think, because they were, you'd go there, their, you know, mom and dad would also be there, their kid was visiting or something. But when they have no visitors, you're pretty much the only, you're the only visitor they have. So there were a lot of times where I spent a lot more time just talking to people than I think I might have before the pandemic, because there just wasn't that same opportunity. At least for me, it makes you want to work harder and go the extra step for at least your patients because, oh, I am going to make sure that you can talk to, you You know, I'm going to arrange this FaceTime for you or do this because like you are fully alone. And that's, I can't imagine how miserable that is, you know?
2: yeah. Something else that came to mind when you were talking was COVID in some ways doesn't quite flip the model, but makes it so that everyone is learning in real time and applying what you're learning that second.
0: Absolutely. My dad is a pediatrician and he's been practicing for 45 years. He's almost 70. And when I was at home quarantining, we were both learning something together. My whole life, he's the expert. He knows so much. And even now, i know, on my pizza. I call him every day after work, and we like talk about our patients. He knows so much more than me. But when it comes to COVID, we're both learning as best as we can. He didn't have a 40-year advantage, I think. And so it really is interesting. Um, it definitely changes the dynamics, of course, in the hospital about like distancing. You know, not just physically distancing, but then like, the emotional distance when you're wearing a mask and you're trying to have a conversation with someone. Or when you have your patient wearing a mask, but you also need to do a cranial nerve exam and you want to check their facial muscles. But, you know, it just, there's all these little awkward moments that have come up due to COVID that, and I'm not even in the COVID ICUs. I'm not acutely taking care of patients with COVID. It's more just in general, in the hospital, it's changed everyone.
1: Yeah, people keep going back to the nine, uh, I'm going to use the wrong date, inevitably, but the 90s with the AIDS epidemic. 100% how you all of a sudden overnight wanted to wear gloves and dentists were wearing masks and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But it's interesting because we have no idea at this point in time, if it will impact how even ICU's doctors can interact with their patient or if some of these things are going to become standard.
0: Yeah. I think that's what's so interesting now is thinking about the future and how much of this world we're living in right now is permanent and how much is temporary. Are we going to go back to in-person lectures? Are we going to go back to, as many small groups are, are we going to keep doing telehealth appointments? Telehealth has revolutionized appointments for patients in nursing homes or appointments for patients who are immobile or you have trouble getting to the hospital. There are a bunch of new incredible technologies that have sort of come out of all of this, but, ah, it's such a good question. You know, like who knows? I, mean, I don't know. We have a meeting next week in terms of M4 year. So I don't know if we're going to do away rotations. I don't know what it's going to look like when I apply to residency. Even the people who are part of residence residency, they don't know what it's going to look like when they start their residency. So every year is up in the air, but in like their own really unique, different way. Like I can't imagine what you guys are going through, what you guys are doing right now, you know? Just virtual learning. I can't imagine doing school like that.
2: It's been interesting. That's definitely been our class mm-hmm. since we started. And at kind of at different points of the year, hoping we'd be able to do a little bit more in person. At least for me, I think the biggest takeaway is how profound the community is at Stridge. Mm-hmm. I think even more than the class part itself, the community mm-hmm. part is is not as there as it would be if we were in person.
0: So I'm social chair of my class and I've been social chair during M1 and M2 year and the, the staunch difference of being able to plan events. You know, I remember <laughs> earlier trying to plan an event and a person I was like, what if we distance and we're outside and we form pods and, blah, blah, and they were like, absolutely not and, you know, virtual can only get you so far. I know you guys are saying like, it's incredible that you got through STEP and you did all that, but it's incredible that you guys are going through this because I don't know how I would have handled it all, you know, not having my group of people study within the library every day because that's just what you did. And it'll be like that again. We don't know when, but someday.
2: Switching back to another topic. Yeah, of course. I was curious because you were mentioning before a little bit, M4s now don't know what residency will look like when they get there. As an M3, you don't know what the application process will look mm-hmm. like. But has COVID changed for you what you think you might want to do or might want to go into?
0: Not particularly, to be honest. <laughs> I'm pretty certain I want to go into a pediatric specialty. And I scheduled to do my ped rotation in the middle of third year. So I, I wouldn't be you know tired and burnt out by the end, but also I would have some knowledge and so I haven't done that rotation yet, but I'm, I'm fairly certain I'm going to love it just because I, I I just love kids. I don't know. I, you know, I enjoyed all my rotations last semester. I enjoyed surgery, enjoyed medicine, enjoyed neuro. So I really, unfortunately, haven't really narrowed down a whole lot. Excited for electives that we get to do because there's a couple things I want to check out and cross off my list before I fully decide where I want to apply. But yeah, no, I, have, I haven't like... Um, decided that I'm going to go become an infectious disease specialist. No, not for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then
0: we asked this question of
1: our M1 and M2, but for listeners who don't know, Stritch has recently given med students here the opportunity to get vaccinated. Have you received the vaccine as an M3
0: or? Yes, I got the vaccine on Monday. I would have signed up for it last week. but I was virtual at home for a little while with the family. I waited until I came back. It was fine. I, you know, I mean, my dad's a pediatrician, so I've gotten every vaccine that I could get. It didn't hurt. It, it hurt less than a flu shot for sure. It was really cool. It felt very, um, very cinematic. It felt kind of like I was like kind a of player or something. <laughs> I'm really glad they offered it to students. I know for m um, reason and M4 is definitely with clinical encounters. I've had multiple possible exposures, and I've had a couple scares and had to get tested here and there. And it's happened to a lot of people because doesn't matter how careful you are, something can always go wrong. And I haven't had COVID, luckily, but I do think it's very much the right move to offer to students, <laughs> all students, but then especially the M3s and M4s. I don't know if M1s and M2s have scheduled yet. I know they're going to get, but.
2: It is open to M1s and M2s as well. So awesome. I'm scheduled for late next week or the week after I need to check. I was doing the same thing on, I've been yeah. with family for a little. So finishing a quarantine and then when it's safe to go in going right in. But I know some M1s and M2s have gotten theirs already.
1: Mm -hmm. It's really weird for me. I have mine scheduled on Saturday, but thinking about grandparents that are up there in age and definitely very Mm -hmm. vulnerable, that somehow uh, me as a 20-year-old, I get to get one now.
0: I kind of feel like, not kind of, I definitely felt like I went through the five stages of grief when I scheduled my vaccine appointment. All of a sudden I felt really guilty. I don't deserve this but then also I should get this but also I'm not special and everyone just you know just all of these like existential moments all of a sudden but then at the end of the day because I remember early on we had some some lecture I think it was like honestly it might have been like my first surgery didactics and the clerkship director said something along the lines of I know you guys are scared but you have to do this because you're the future of medicine and it definitely hit it felt more real because i was like oh i'm about to go in the hospital for surgery but it's the same for you guys too you will in a year or two years or three years will be interacting with patients too so definitely admirable even though you're not necessarily seeing patients right now you know you still are technically involved and also oh my god my boyfriend would always say this during dedicated i'd be on the third floor in our study room and i'd be laying on the bed doing anki i'd be half asleep on a textbook or something and he'd come up and just be like look at you on the front lines <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was and it, at that moment in my life that was my front lines you know even though you're not right now at you're on that pathway to get there because it's a, a really long process
2: <laughs> it feels like even in m1 year too we're clicking through anki cards we're watching lectures at least for me i've watched some lectures on my couch in my pajamas I don't feel very plugged in or connected to medicine right now, but I think exactly along the same lines of thinking at times it's helped me when I've remembered, like this is all adding up to the time mm-hmm. where I actually get to be with patients. And so this is all leading to something. It's not being done in vain. And at least for me, it has helped with the motivation, but I am wondering for you, how have you kept yourself motivated throughout the pandemic, even when you're not at a hundred percent every day?
0: Oh, I I don't know if I've ever been in a hundred percent honestly since the pandemic started. I've definitely been in the '90s, but I don't know if I've been in a hundred percent. But like, I think that's really important. what You were saying earlier is this: remember that, like, I'm going to be with patients, or you know, whatever your sort of why is that's going to get you through your most stressful moments during dedicated, during everything when you are when you feel so far from seeing patients. In that moment, it's finding that little bit of not just joy, but that little bit of purpose not even every day like every hour every minute because it's so hard to stay focused it's so hard to just keep watching keep doing online virtual cases when you've been doing it for three days and guys I, I know in next week I'm going to see an actual patient why am I doing this now and I really think that why is just keeping that on the forefront of your focus knowing you made the choice to do this and you were of sound mind and body when you made that choice even though it's hard and even though it's In this moment, and even though it feels unachievable, you're going to achieve it and you're going to look back and be like, oh, yeah. Remember when the MCAT was the hardest? Remember the ACT? Every single step feels unclimbable, but you always do it.
1: Just kind of going off of that, if you could go back in time right now, what advice would you give yourself back in February and March about school or life during COVID?
0: I think it's taken me a pretty long time, not pretty long it's only been you know, 10 months in this, but like it's taken me somewhat of a time to really just let go of control. I think that's kind of my sort of big mantra, at least for 2020. If 2020 really taught us anything, I think it's that any semblance of control that we think we have is actually non-existent and and all we can do is our best and our best each day isn't going to be the same and it's never going to be the same as someone else's best, but that doesn't matter. The biggest thing that I would tell myself, I think, to do and to hold on to, kind of just like to forgive yourself and just to know that you famously like to set schedules that are unachievable and that's okay. And you're never going to know everything and you're never going to stop learning. And I think there was this mindset in studying for step one where I was like, I'm just going to study this and then I never have to think about it again. That's not true. (laughs) You actually still kind of have to know it. And so just remembering to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself and know that you have to try, you know, especially with virtual learning. It's all firsts for all of us. And I don't know what I'm doing. And people ask you questions or ask for your advice. Like, oh, you know exactly what's going on. Like I tutor some M1s and M2s. They're like, oh, you're such an expert. I'm like, no, I don't know anything. I just did it. And I this is what I learned. And <laughs> But I'm continuing to just do things that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do it, if that makes sense. And you'll get there.
2: I really love that. Honestly, just hearing you say that is <laughs> helping me right now. It's hitting home. No,
0: because it's so hard. I don't. I would need dozens of fingers and toes to count the times in my med school career that where I've thought, "Oh, this is it. This is going to be the thing I can't do." Oh, this OSCE, I'm fine with the poem exam. Oh my god, I can't figure out the cardiac exam. I can't memorize it. Whatever it is, you just continually convince yourself like this is going to be your next hurdle that you can't pass, but then you pass it, and I don't know how. I feel like every OSCE I've had have totally blacked out. Honestly, even most tests, I finish it. My whole brain is just mush, but you get through it. I'm always
1: super impressed when people remember exact questions that they had on exams because I'm like you, I totally black out.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> I know it's too much thinking. And then it's like, well, you finish one test. Okay, gotta start. Gotta start next.
1: The next one's coming up. <laughs> on <the
2: test>. Always. <laughs> All right. Well, Gideon, we know that... Your M3 year has been so busy so far, and we really appreciate you taking the time today to sit down and chat with us. I think we both learned a lot and had a really, really great time talking to you.
0: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without the support from our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, episode suggestions please submit them on our website this podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine no patient doctor relation is formed and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice diagnosis or treatment
2: views and opinions are their own and do not represent any organization